Amen. So today we're going to talk to you about the calling of God in your life. Number one, how do I know I'm called? What is my calling? By the end of this eight weeks, nine weeks that we have together, um, I'm going to be having you fill out a survey about your gifts, and we're going to hone in individually. I'm going to meet each one of you individually, and I'm going to talk to you personally about what God's calling you to do. I want to hear your heartbeat. I want to hear your dream, right? And then we want to talk about how do we accomplish that, right? So we'll spend some time together individually as well. Um, so I'm going to take you to the calling of God. The calling of, let's say the calling of God. So the call of God is with route repentance. You can find that in your in your scripture, in your Bible, where God tells us that his calling is not revocable. He does not call you to something and then say, no, I'm taking that away. The calling of God is without repentance. He never repents or turns away from what he's called you to do. You can run, but you cannot hide. God's calling will chase you down. It will make you miserable and it will make you want to change. When you don't live by God's calling in your life, I promise misery is ahead, right? There's been so many times as a pastor in my life that I've had moments, and you will have those moments, you've already had those moments where you go, okay, I'm through, I'm done, this is too hard, right? And you will be miserable. <laughs> I have watched people that have walked away from ministry and uh, because they did it unhealthy. They never got the right training. They never got the right authority in their life to speak into them truth. I have a bishop, and he's going to be here. I pay my tithe to bishop. Why? Because there are two ways. There are two types of covenants in the scripture. One involves money, and the other involves blood. <laughs> right? And in those covenants, you know, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, right? But I show honor. Melchizedek... Right? Abraham paid a tithe to him, not because Melchizedek needed it. It was a show of honor. It was a covenant. right? And we also see that with, with, with things like um, the, the blood of lambs, the blood of turtle doves, all these different ways. And we'll talk about that. But I, that's why the tithe right, for ministry is so important. I know a lot of ministers and pastors that don't give back or pay tithe. And I always ride them. And tell them they're going to hell. No, I don't tell them that. Um, um, I tell them that they're out of the will of God. Because how can you how can you preach something you don't participate in? Yeah. Amen. Mm -hmm. I said amen. amen. So it, it, this is not an Old Testament tithe I'm talking about. This is a New Testament tithe. We're not under the Old Covenant. We're under the New. Right? We'll talk more about But it's not just about my money. It's about my time, my talents. It's about my commitment. It's about, it's a lot of of issues there. So we'll talk deeper about that. But the calling of God in your life, Jesus' selection of the 12. Of course, Jesus is our, our main example that we're going to follow in our life, right? Because he's our, he's our king. He is our example in this New Testament setting. Mark 3 and 13, one of my favorite passages concerning this subject, the calling of God. And that is, he went up on the mountain and called to him. Everybody say he called them. He called them where? To himself. He didn't call them to a particular ministry. He didn't call them to a particular place, a region. He called them to himself. The calling of God will always center around Jesus himself, not an individual, not a place, not a church, not an organization. It will always center around Jesus Christ. So he called them unto himself, 
right? The ones that he what? Wanted. If you're sitting in this room today, I believe with all my heart that God wants you here. I believe with all my heart that God has chosen. You're a chosen generation, royal priesthood. And I want to train you and help you learn how to do what God's called you to do. It's easy to hear. I want us to talk about doing. And the Bible says, and they came to him. So there was a response. He called them. He wanted them. And there was a response. Here it is. You're responding, right? He responded uh, and they came to him. Verse 14. And then he appointed 12. Out of the group that came, hear me today. There's going to be people in the group that we are in that will do more or less, find different places of ministry. You all are not all called to the same thing. You have individual callings and God has gifted you in different ways, right? One of you might be very gifted in speaking, the other one in serving, one ministering to people in hospitals, the other one standing in a pulpit, one assisting a church to get to its next level, right? One of you is a prayer warrior and understands spiritual things at a level of intercession and in all those. So every one of your gifts are varying, right? And we'll talk deeply about the gifts and how that you are particular and, and peculiar to the kingdom, right? Because we know that he wanted and they came to him, but then he chose them. He appointed them, right? The word appointed is an interesting word in this passage because that indicates that he told them he is God. You know, I've heard people use this passage as, well, I want you to go be in the children's ministry. Well, I don't, I'm not called to do that. I don't feel that. Well, I want you to go anyway. And there's times in our lives we serve out of necessity, but not for long term. Not for, not for a long-term situation. You want to serve from your calling and from your gifts, right? So we're talking about the calling of God in our lives. So we know he's going to call us, that he wants us. So we got to walk in confidence that we're here because he wants us. We're coming to him. He's going to appoint us. And the reason that he appointed them, the reason he called them, the reason he wanted them is that they might be with him. That they might be with him. Better say be with him. Be with him. I refuse to allow anybody in this house to serve only in service and not in spiritual things. Amen. 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 I want you to, what I spoke this morning, you must begin to serve from being with Jesus. I don't want people that are, are, are serving in spiritually important places that don't have prayer lives. Don't serve God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know why? Because that brings infection. Now, there's a lot of places in this building that a, a stranger on the street can serve, right? Yeah. Come in and be a part of us. They love Jesus. But there's a discipleship that must happen in order for there to be a leading of people, right? right? So that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm speaking to the leaders of Pineview Church. I'm speaking to people that I'm going to not just train you. I'm going to put you in places to... And give you tools to win and tools to overcome and tools to become what God, what your dream is. I, by the end of this time, I want you to be able to trust us enough to hear your real dream from God. Not the one you tell people, not the false self, not the one. No, I want to hear what your heartbeat is because God is going to help us together. Amen. Mm -hmm. By the way, the calling of God on people's lives is not a lonely thing. It's designed to be a collective thing. Right. Ministers of right. the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So, um, and he said that, I'm, that 
that they might be with him and that he might send them out. So there was twofold purpose that you you're at his feet, right? And that you don't stay at his feet so long that you don't go do anything. Too many people never make it from the prayer room to the real world, mm-hmm. right? He's and so spiritual, there's no earthly good. Of no earthly value, right? And so we find that he wants to send you, send you. So my moniker is what? Go love, go love, go love, go love. Why? Because if you don't go, what good is love? If nobody knows about this love, right? Yeah. what are we doing, right? So the calling of God in your life is something you've got to reassure. I can't call you to God. Your wife cannot call you to the ministry. Your husband cannot call you to the ministry. You have to be called by God himself. And when he calls you, you must come. You must lay it all on the altar and say, yes, Lord. And when you do, he's going to bring you to his feet and reveal things you never knew. And then he's going to stand you up and say, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and send. That's the calling of God. In a nutshell, this passage is absolutely what the calling of God is. I'm being called by God. I'm responding to God. I'm going to do what he's called me to do by what? Sitting at his feet, studying to show myself approved, getting up from that place and serving a world that needs to hear what I got to hear, the love of God. Someone say amen. Amen. So, and then it it didn't just stop them. He sent them out to preach. I would say preach. Preach. A lot of us are going to preach. In fact, all of you are going to preach at some point in the next a little bit, right? Um, You're going to have a a moment of fire for the church. uh, You know, I'm not going to put you up there for a whole message at the beginning. Um, You know, but I I want you to fulfill, I want you to try that gift, right? And we're going to see, you know, 10 minute, you guys will have a service where you guys do, we do shotgun and um, (laughs) um, uh, we'll have a great time. I'm excited about it, but um, might be with him and send them out to preach. And then he said, and to have what? Power to heal sickness and to what? Cast out demons. So you don't heal sickness and cast out demons necessarily just at church, right? Right. Mm-hmm. This is the highways and the byways. This is in your neighborhood. This is at the grocery store. This is in a parking lot. This is, right? So this is so important. So the calling of God is not predicated on how I feel. It's predicated on what God is doing, calling me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, every one of you in this room have been in that service or in that place or in that prayer time where you felt God speaking to you about bigger things. Can I get an amen? Amen. So each one of you can sit here today and tell me the experience. I remember the day that God spoke to me, right? And we think that this calling is somehow this mysterious thing. No, it's, it's not mysterious at all. It's pretty straightforward. He chose you. And how you know that he chose you is that there's a lost dying world who needs to be made disciples. The issue is, are you willing to come? The scripture says we're all able ministers of the gospel, right? It indicates that every one of us has the capability of ministry. But it's, right, Mm -hmm. who will obey or hear the call and then act upon that call. So the calling of God is more about your willingness than it is the voice of God. Mm. The voice of God is absolute. The word of God is absolute, right? So we'll continue on. You ready?
Uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts 26 and 16 in the New King, uh, most of all this is going to be in the New King James. Um, but rise and stand on your feet. Everybody say rise. rise. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul talking. So rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose. Uh, this is the angel talking. Um, rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose. Right? Rise, purpose, to make you a minister and a what? Witness. Rise, stand on your feet, I have appeared unto you for this purpose. The purpose of a call is not that you keep laying down and keep wondering and keep... No, too many of us in the world of Christendom, we spend so much time training and so little time doing. I think training is absolute, right? Training is of most importance, right? But uh, you ever heard of a professional student? There's also, you know, there's, there's also professional uh, ministers where we're constantly training. We're constantly going to the next conference. We're constantly going to the, the next, uh, uh, you know, a big thing. We're going, to, we're, going, we're going to the next, you know, this, that, the other, whatever it might be. And instead of doing with what we already have, we just spend all of our time because it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's exciting, right? So educating yourself and, and, and getting yourself prepared is very important. And by the way, I continue after 30 years of ministry to go to conferences. I'm not suggesting you don't go to conferences. I'm simply saying do something with the stuff you learn, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And, and how, do, how do I do that? Well, we're going to talk about That's why we're going to do this this uh, September uh, month of, of service and, uh, and doing some things with what we're learning. To make you a minister and a witness. So a minister that's not a witness is not a minister. Mm. Mm. You gotta have both. You gotta have both. Uh, preachers that don't win souls are not, they're just speakers. Right. Did you hear what I just said? So in my life, God spoke to me, oh man, years and years ago in the beginning of my ministry that I should keep a home Bible study and teach people why. Because the Lord said, if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm not winning souls, how can I expect there to be soul winners in my church? Right? So it's something, baptizing people, teaching them the word of God, all those things. I told Nan a couple months ago that the greatest message you'll ever preach is to the one person across the table in a home Bible study. If you can preach to them, win them, you're going to preach to the world. You will be used in a greater stage. What, what is God's concept about uh, trusting you with a little or a lot? A right? The concept is if I can trust you with a little, then I can trust you with a lot. And if God can trust you with a Bible study in front of you to mentor them, disciple them, amen. 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 Everybody say it takes time, <laughs> it takes energy, it takes money, right? To what? To win people to the kingdom. And not just win them, but disciple them. I'm less interested in winning them than I am disciple. We'll win them, I promise. Can we disciple them and keep them in the kingdom? Give them the tools to be overcomers in Christ. Your calling is about that and that alone, making disciples. You're not called to preach, you're called to make disciples first. Amen? Amen? You're not called to minister, you're called to make disciples first. The preaching and the ministry and the service and all that other stuff, it, it automatically shows up in your life because your gifts make room for themselves. 
but you've got to be willing to. So we find that make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which has yet revealed to you, has will yet be revealed to you. So we know that we are to be ministers and a witness. In 2 Corinthians, Paul in chapter 3 says this, And we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient ourselves. Everybody say amen. amen. How many know that your calling is predicated on the call of Jesus, but the call of God being being uh, acted out in your life is predicated on your obedience? So calling without obedience, again, calling without a witness, calling without obedience is no different. How can you preach that that will save others when you're not obeying it yourself? I'm not talking about struggling through your life. I'm talking, we're all going to have struggles, fall down, pick ourselves back. I'm not talking about that grace moment. I'm talking about lifestyle. Right. Right. Right? I'm talking about lifestyle here. Don't ever think that I'm ever talking about the, the sins that so easily beset us on our path. Those are going to come. I don't care what preacher you are. Uh, you know, I don't care how high up or how low you are. We're all sinners saved by grace, right? Amen. And we're going to be that until the day we draw our last breath and go see Jesus. So mm -hmm. in that moment here, as ministers in your life, you've got to step back and say, I know I'm not sufficient in myself, but I'm not going to act insufficient because I have the one that made me sufficient. So I'm not going to act based on how I feel as a human. Uh, do you think that preachers ever sin on Saturday night and then have to stand in a pulpit on Sunday morning? Hello? Right. Yeah. Lose a temper, say something, road rage, whatever it might be, have a fight with the wife, and, and whatever, right? And, and do something sinful? Well, I got news for you, right? It happens a lot. Why? Because we're human. But our, our dependence on Christ, Him being sufficient in our lives, is the issue. So falling on your face, repenting before God, making it right, and then serving, not from the place of your comfort, but from the place of your calling. Not serving from the place of, okay, I feel like I can serve now. If we wait for that, you're in trouble. You're never going to do anything in your life. Right. You've got to serve from your knowledge that God is sufficient when you are not. Right. Amen. Amen. So now that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything being as being from ourselves... But our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as what? Ministers of the new covenant. God made us ministers. He made us sufficient when we're not. Right? Not of the letter, but the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. We find in 1 Peter 4, uh, Peter writes to us and says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. What is he trying to say here? He's trying to say, don't speak as yourself. Always speak as God would speak. Don't, don't come from to people with how you feel, but from how God's truth is. Do you hear me today? Right. Mm -hmm. Your calling is predicated on obedience. And when you obey the voice of God, it will not speak your own. I have been doing this a while, and I promise you, there have been times I've stepped in a pulpit and I've preached and I've been angry about something. And that anger has shown through, and I have to go and repent because God is not, not angry. Mm, yeah, right. He's love. Mm -hmm. You hear me? 
So in that calling, I have to come back and say, okay, my calling is greater than my feelings. What I'm called to do is bigger than my issue, right? And I have to let my calling lead the way, not how I feel about something. That's hard to do, by the way, your feelings. There are moments in my pastorate that I have said, called Brother Stefan, uh, I need you to preach this weekend for me. No problem, Pastor. I'll be, you know, he never asked. He never asked why. By the way, never ask why. Be ready at all times. Don't ever tell your pastor, no, I can't speak on that day, unless you have a family vacation planned or something big like that. Always be ready. Never say, well, I don't have anything ready. Don't ever say, I don't have anything ready. Why? Because your calling demands that you give an answer to every man at all times. At all times. I have something. If my bishop, if I attended his church on Sunday morning and he said, you know what, Pastor Nate's here and I'm going to have him come. I have something ready. I, why? Because I, I have to. Because, mm -hmm. number one, I'm not going to embarrass myself. Right? Mm -hmm. no, that's just basic science right there, right? I have enough pride to have something ready, right? But number two, I'm commanded to have something ready. That I'd be accountable uh, and I have overflow. So, uh, you know, I, I, it doesn't mean I have an entire sermon, but I have a thought ready. I have something I can, and trust me, when you get in that pulpit and you start speaking that thought, God comes in and your calling, your calling kicks in, right? It's, it's miraculous. And sometimes I sit down and go, well, I'm glad God showed up. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> I literally have went back and listened and wrote notes from my message for future because God spoke the things I did not even know I was going to say. And I've went back and watched it. Oh, man, that was a great point. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to preach that later again. <laughs> because in your life as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel, you stand before people and God gives you informa information and inspiration in moments that you don't even know where it comes from. It's just God speaking through you. And that's what, why, because I responded to his call, right? Why? Because I'm allowing him to work through me. I'm placing myself on the altar. Not my will, thy will be done, right? So let's keep going. Speak as the oracle of God. Do not speak for yourself. There's a side note I want to put on here. We'll talk later about this in our gifts, of the, the gift of prophecy. Um, the side note is this. Never say to somebody, the Lord said, unless the Lord really said mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do not extrapolate your own feelings onto god's word mm -hmm. you can say i feel impressed by what i'm feeling in the holy spirit today to say this to you i feel the lord would want me to say this to you right but if you haven't heard from god if you can't say that was absolutely god do not say god said if you're quoting scripture you can say God said, because he said that. Don't get up in people's face and tell them that God said something that he didn't say. In the Old Testament, they'd take you out and stone you. <laughs> Thank God we're not in that law, <laughs> right? Because I'd be dead. We've all made this mistake, and you will make it too. You go back, right? Recall it. Say, Lord, help me with that, right? You don't want to give people hope that was not given. You don't want to give people a word that God didn't say. You want people to have expectations that God has no intention of backing up. Yeah. Amen. 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 
So his word is absolutely what he says, but make sure that when you're, you're working in the gift of prophecy that you, you really speak for God. Someone say amen. amen. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability. Everybody say ability. Ability. Which what? God supplies. Let him do it with the ability, Peter says, with God supplies. You each have an ability. Each one of you in this room have an ability. Stop comparing yourselves against each other and your abilities. Your ability is different than his, and his right. is different than his, and his is different than his, right? Mm -hmm. Stop saying, well, they're, they're, wow, they're doing this, and they're doing that, and they're doing that. Well, stop, stop, stop. Why? Because your calling is unique to you. God doesn't cookie cutter call and stamp you on the rear end and say, oh, go out there. No, you have a story. You have an experience. You have a unique relationship with Jesus and you have a unique call. Some of you will be vocal call. Let me tell you something. The greatest one of the and I won't one of the greatest men that I know understood what he was called to do. He was called to the ministry and you can study it in the scripture, the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence. He was not called to speak at a, at a, over a podium. I could, Pastor Doug was here a minute ago. I could bring Pastor Doug in. Pastor Doug does not have a, a, a pulpit ministry. What is, what is his ministry? Service. He is a servant. He assists. He makes sure that everything happens so the pulpit can be more effective. Amen. And some people, oh, you know. You know why he's not discontented and frustrated? Because he understands his calling and he walks in his calling. Now, interestingly enough, uh, he's done funerals for me. He's, he does speak. People don't know this <laughs> because he doesn't want it advertised. But he's done funerals. He's spoke at different things. He's represented me at the sheriff's department. He has done all kinds of things, right? That's ministry. I don't want to pastor a church without a Doug Swafford. Did you hear what I just said? Right. I'm sorry. No pastor. Chris Mothers tells me all the time, I'm envious of you because you have a Doug Swafford. We all in the kingdom need to understand that God does not call us all to a podium. That's not what ministry is only. That's a little part of ministry. right? My ministry is 5% in that podium and 95% in the field. And you got to recognize that your calling is not just to a podium. Amen. 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 Why? Because not everybody has the ability to speak. Let's just face it. Not everybody is gifted with that ability, right? But not everybody is gifted with the ability to serve like he serves. So God supplied this, by the way, not the enemy. So embrace your what you would say would be your weakness. It's not a weakness. It's a God-given ability. Don't try to be what you're not in your calling. You can't do it all. I can't do it all, right? Stop thinking that you've got to fulfill everything, right? Um, because you don't. God will supply. That in all things, God might be what? Glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, he says, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials. It's interesting that he's talking about this ministry in verse 11. And in verse 12, he goes right to think it not strange. Ministry, when you say, yes, Lord, 
you are saying, please put a target on my back oh, yeah. so that the enemy will try to destroy me. Mm-hmm. That's blunt, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So uh, one of my worries about ministry, and I'm going to keep close tabs on everyone, when I start sending you out, you're going to fight new battles. Listen to me carefully. Your calling will bring new battles. Things that you did not even, things you may have struggled with when you were a teenager and they came and poked their head back up again. Mm-hmm. Right? Things that you've been delivered from, they try to come back. And what your response has to be, not one, oh, oh God, I'm just, I'm going to go, uh, yeah, well, there it is. I knew it. I wouldn't, you know, no. The response is, okay, there it is. I know what it is. It's from Satan. It's a, what? Like Paul said, what did Paul say? It's a thorn mm-hmm. that the, the messenger, Paul said the messenger of Satan brought this thorn. It's not from God. And so therefore, whatever it was or is that's trying to torment me, tempt me, pull me down, I'm going to understand it. I'm going to ask my brothers that I love and trust right, right. to come around me and rebuke this. And then I'm going to pray my own prayer. And God is going to speak and say, my grace is sufficient. I can't listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. I cannot let, as a minister of the gospel, I already used the Saturday night uh, instance, right? Pastors don't like, oh yeah, man, I messed up Saturday night at midnight. I got to get somebody else to preach. That's not the way this works. Why? Because his grace is sufficient for me. Mm-hmm. If my heart is sorrowful, if my intent was not sin i realize that i i confront it in my life and i turn from it and by the way that doesn't take six months that takes moments before the god of heaven and earth i've got to forgive myself and move on i can't live in the pity for myself Mm -hmm. and think that i can't so i'm not worthy i'm just not worthy i'm not worthy oh shut up you are worthy by the blood of jesus christ and not by your own works Right? Mm -hmm. So repent. Don't live in sin and minister. No, I'm not suggesting that whatsoever. I'm simply saying don't let the enemy drag out your sin far enough to make you believe you're unworthy to serve. Mm -hmm. So let it come off of you quickly. Everybody say quickly. Quickly. Your calling demands that you deal with your sin quickly. You don't let it linger, hang out, bug you, bug your wife, bug everybody. You don't wallow in it. You don't want to feel sorry for it. You don't tell your friends so they all gather around you and mourn for you. No, you simply state what the word of God is and says. You are delivered. You're set free by the blood in the name of Jesus. Right? Mm -hmm. He is faithful and just to forgive you of all your unrighteousness. You just got to ask. Cleanse us of all righteousness. Right? Why? The the command is ask. Mm -hmm. So that there's no like linear thing that says, okay, it's going to take a long time to get over this. No, it's, it's all in your, in your mind. The battle for your soul is in your mind. So when you're serving from a calling, you have to let your calling drag you through some mud sometimes mm-hmm. by the nap of the neck and say, I'm not going to serve from my feelings. I'm not going to serve from my failures. Mm-hmm. I'm going to serve from the grace of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to do it haughtily. I'm going to do it humbly, knowing mm-hmm. that I am not sufficient, right. but he is sufficient. Right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go start. Why? Because there's a world depending. I'm just a conduit. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a pipe that God flows through. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so he doesn't need me to be perfect 
in order for him to flow through me. Because he is perfect. And whatever comes out of me will be perfect. So I'm saying amen. Amen. So you've got to stay in the word. Be obedient. Let your calling dictate. Not your feelings or your failures. I really feel like that's important today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, beloved, do not think it strange concerning fire trials, which uh, is to try you, as though some strange thing that happens to you. Well, like, hello, duh, right? Because, but rejoice in the what to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when His glory is what revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. When you understand the glory of God working to cover your sin, you should not feel sorrow. You should feel joy. Mm-hmm. A thankfulness. Wow. Amen. Mm-hmm. Saturday night happened and I can still serve the king because I had a prayer meeting this morning and me and him got things straight. And I'm not going to serve from my failure on Saturday. I'm going to serve from my prayer meeting this morning. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Get your life right. Romans 12. I'm going to keep going. Romans 12. Is everybody all right out there? Mm-hmm. Romans 12 says this. For I say, though the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you. So everybody say everyone. everyone. Not to think of himself more highly. Here it is. Than he ought to think. Mm-hmm. But to think what? Soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I recently had a conversation with a young man who I'm mentoring in another state, and um, he said to me, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, um, he said, he went to a camp meeting, and he said um, there was a man, a pastor, that came to me. He says I really don't know him, but I know he's a pastor. I've never really met him. And me, and he prophesied over me and said that I possessed the gift of healing and that I need to. Uh, I need to start a, a healing ministry and that I need to do this. And I was like, okay, great. I said, have you ever, you know, have you ever felt this? No. Has anybody ever spoke this to you? No. Has any of your mentors ever spoke this to you? No. Has the Holy Spirit ever spoke this to you? No. Right, there was a pattern here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I said to him, number one, know them that labor among you. Yeah. Do you think that the intent of that pastor was evil? No, not whatsoever. He was feeling in the Holy Ghost at an altar something that he thought and he spoke. But just because someone speaks does not mean you don't verify. Amen. You hear me? You verify by, wow, the word of God. It is our lamp. It is our guide. It is our safety. So just because someone comes and prophesies, we're living in an hour of prophetic Craziness. Everybody and their half brother and their other brother and their brother's brother thinks that they are a prophet. And in the Old Testament, we'd have a lot of dead people. (laughs) Because they're not prophets. Because they don't possess the biblical, the biblical, hello, Mm -hmm. process to be a prophet. They don't possess the authority in life. I asked one of them, uh, we were talking, young man uh, from another church. I met them at a funeral and we were talking. He was asking me what, and now we got to speaking about you know, me pastoring, et cetera. He's like, well, I'm a prophet. I'm like, oh, really? He couldn't have been more than 19, 20. I was like, okay, cool. I said, we're, who's your pastor? 
Well, I don't have a pastor. I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm my own pastor. I said, I said, there's no such thing. There's no such thing, brother. He's like, what do you mean? I said, every pastor has to have a pastor. No prophet was a call unto himself. He had others that, that saw. The Bible says to let the, the elders to stand by and judge. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Whether this be of God. That's the Old Testament. New Testament lets us see that there's a process for prophets and prophetesses, and there's a process and by which we can measure them. Know them that labor among you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's a process in which we can measure very quickly whether they are speaking for God or they're speaking from themselves, whether they're quoting a book or they're quoting God, whether they're quoting... Uh, look, I can prophesy... Listen, I'm not, I'm not going to take too much time here, but I can, I can prophesy to Nan right now, right? Right? I, I, I could not know him and walk up and say, the Lord has shown me that you have a father <laughs> and that he really loves you and that you may have had some hard times with him. Right? I'm starting to hit some buttons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he has a father and they've had, probably if he's alive more than five seconds, they've had some troubles and trials in their relationship. Yeah. I could, and and, and it, it's a, they train them to do this. It's like foretelling. Mm-hmm. It's spiritual wickedness in high places is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. When you can prey on the human experience in order to show or promote that you have knowledge. Mm-hmm. I was prophesied to in, in Florida by someone that I knew but didn't know personally, right? So um, it was Pastor uh, Charlotte Gamble um, Powerful service, amazing service. It was a pastor's uh, trains, 4,000 of us there. And uh, I was there, and me and my wife were on the front row. When I go to a conference, I don't sit on the back row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense. I go to the front row because you're, you say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is my expectation. Mm-hmm. I expect something right. <laughs> from the front row. <laughs> I observe from the back row. When you come to God's house, you're a minister. I'm going to tell you right now, don't observe from the back row. I'm not suggesting you sit on the very front row. I'm simply saying be a part of the service. Be visible. Your people are watching you. And you want to minister to others? Start in your church service. Lifting your hands, glorifying God, participating in the message. Participating. Why? Because you're going to stand in that podium someday and you're going to want people to help you move the mountain. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 So you, your calling demands that you now are a participant in this kingdom and that you're not a bystander observer. You're a participant. And you have that right. So, you know, I said to him, you know, listen, I don't mean to, to you know, I'm not trying to ruffle your feathers. I'm just telling you, the Bible says <laughs> that you need a pastor. He ruffled at that. He was dis- totally disagreement. I said, well, take me to your Bible and prove me wrong. And and I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. I, I'm just I was just I, I was being confronted with a very arrogant spirit, uh, and I was like, I don't I don't need this. But by the way, who's your pastor? And in my life, I have a pastor. In your life, you have to have a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that later. So what does it say here? Verse 4, For as many have members in one body, but all the members not the same function. Right? So we have many, being many, and 
are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having the what then gifts differently or differing according to the what? Grace that is given to us. We go back to Paul's voice. His grace is sufficient. My gift is sufficient because it's given to me by the grace of God. So sufficiency is not my issue. I have a God that's sufficient. My willingness to accept my calling and to operate in that calling, that's the issue. Because Paul is trying to warn us, just because Pastor Nate preaches in a pulpit and does certain things doesn't mean that you're called to the exact same ministry. You are all called to be ministers and preach teaching Bible studies, right? I'm called, though, also... Just because I preach to hundreds doesn't mean I shouldn't preach to one as well. Amen. Why? Because the, the, the amount of people in front of you is not the issue. It's are you hearing from God? Are you speaking for God? And are you making disciples? Mm-hmm. Are you making disciples? Disciples, disciples, disciples. So we, we, have to, we have to stop comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. Your calling will be frustrating if you're constantly, I, 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 back in, I don't know, 18, 17, somewhere back there, I ended up deleting all these pastors off my Instagram because I found myself after a while saying, wow, man, I wish I had a church like that. Or wow, I wish I was ministry like that. Or wow, I, and I thought, God didn't call me to Dallas. God didn't call me to, call me right here. This is where my call is. And therefore, I'm going to grow where I'm planted. Come on now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Stop talking or looking or comparing yourselves when you got more things to do than you can already do. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you figure is the best way that we can get to, I, I, I 100% agree with you. And it's something the Lord dealt with me years ago when I first got here um, about the beautiful nature of being uniquely different right made in christ like sure my gifting is not like pops that's right i can't go where he can go that's right but he can't go where i go that's exactly right that's you know? why it's so beautiful so how do we make sure like i like my friend paul that came hopefully we have him tomorrow yeah expressing that to some of these people that we we encounter on our journey really struggle with dang well i don't have you know in, in his circumstance i'll let him tell the story when he feels comfortable you know, there are some life situations that face some of our, 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 our people that we, we meet in this, this journey that are very, like, surmountable, but yet they look at it and say, like, I can't because, you know, I have this issue or I don't have what they have. Sure. So here, here this is your job. We'll talk about this, but this is a great place. Thank you. I, by the way, always feel free to ask questions, right? This is so good. This is what this is about, right? Awesome question. This is where I want to train you to be observant, right? And measure. Paul measured Barnabas. He measured Timothy, right? What I mean by measured, he assessed their abilities and their place in Christ. He assessed whether they were ready for the things he was fixing to call them to do. So he said in one place, don't lay hands on any man suddenly, right? Mm -hmm. That's talking about ministry. He's talking about sending people out. Don't do it suddenly. Why? That scripture is misused so much, but um, in ways that is out, out of context. In the context of ministry is what it was given. 
And he was like, don't lay hands and send them out just willy-nilly. Why? Because you're going to destroy them. Right. right. So in my life, I assess, right? Um, I look at different people and where they're at in different things, where they're at spiritually, where they're at emotionally, where they're at in their walk with God, where, how far they've been in this, what trials are they in and have faced and overcome, what ones I know are coming that they haven't faced yet. You know, so I'm always assessing as a disciple maker, right, what you're called to do. And I want this is where I want to give you some skills is saying, stepping back. Not everyone that you meet is ready for the next level. Yeah. Not everyone right. you meet is ready for the next words of wisdom. Sometimes you got to you got to hold them to a place by just loving them and caring for them and not challenging them until, you know, OK, it's time. Give them a bunch of milk. Yeah, and that's a great expression, right? That's scriptural, right? Give them a bunch of milk. Um, and I think that this is a very, very important part of disciple making. Too many times we think it's cookie cutter, and we shove the same meat down everybody's throat, right? And we offer it to them. They think because, Aaron, I'll use, there's a young lady in this body of Christ that I won't say her name because I'm recording, but she's a wonderful young lady, and uh, God's working with her. Well, her best friend got the Holy Ghost speaking of the tongues, and and she hasn't yet. And it is, and, and so this best friend is saying, "Ha ha! I got the Holy Ghost. You know, uh, I can't believe you don't have it. Why don't you got it? 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 Right? And it's driven them to a place of discouragement. So it's because of the immaturity of the person that's saying, "Aha!" Right? They're also babes in Christ, so they don't know better. So I had to pull them aside and say. Stop. What are you doing? How would you feel if I did that to you? Oh, yeah, that wouldn't be very good. It's not very good what you're doing. I had to train them in kindness and in love, right? And then I had to go to them and say, listen, God has you on a path. He loves you. Keep pursuing. Are you pursuing God? Do you want? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, it's going to be fine. Stop fretting. Because now you're frustrated, and now every time you begin to pray for the Holy Spirit to, to enter you through the, through the gift of tongues, what happens is that all you hear is your friend going, why haven't you got it yet? Right? Mm -hmm. So we have to remove, we have to be observant, wise as serpent, harmless as doves, right? Mm -hmm. And as our, let our calling, right, to make disciples also make us observers of men. Amen. Jesus was always observed, and when he saw them, he was constantly observing people. And then his interaction was predicated on that observation. So my interaction with different people walking through this building or me with a, a person uh, that I'm um, interacting with at, at a park or a grocery store is, is based on my observation, right? It's based on how I'm feeling. How many of you know that when you, you're with somebody, you can feel their spirit? It, it, it bumps you, right? Yeah. You can tell there's a hunger here. There's something going on. There's, 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 they've been talking to God. They don't know what they're doing, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you have to be very observant in that. So this is having them give gifts, gifts differing according to the grace in which God has given us. Let us use them. Everybody say, let us use them. If you have gifts and you don't use them, they are just simply things we talk about. If prophecy, then let us prophesy in portion to our faith. In proportion to our faith. Your prophecies will be dictated on your growth. 
Your prophecies will be dictated on where you're at in God. You'll operate in, in what I call baby prophecy before you act in, in adult prophecy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you prophesy to babies. I'm saying that you, you will, you'll mature in your understanding of what the gift is. You don't have just a gift and all you know it. No, it's a process of being made in his likeness. So let us prosper in the proportion to our faith our ministry, or our ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives um, with liberty, or liberty, uh, yeah, he who leads with uh, diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So he goes on. Corinthians, I'm almost done. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, we find Paul again writing, he says, and we have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient to ourselves of thinking anything of being from ourselves, but our sufficiency. I've already read this passage, but I wanted to reread it again because I wanted you to realize the calling of God is based on God's sufficiency, not yours. I don't want you to leave here today and not remember this. When you start to think about what God's calling you to do, and you go, oh, I can never do that. No, I, I, no, that's too big. No, I, I, no, I don't ever see myself doing that. I want you to stop that because it's not your sufficiency. It's not your ability. It's not your, no, it's your willingness that when he calls you, you say, yes, Lord. And then he will lead and guide you. He will bring the people into your lives and he will help you be what he's called you to be. Verse six, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. I also want to say something. You better learn this letter spirit thing. Ministry, preaching, leads to arrogance. Sometimes a lot of preachers gather God consciences or God. It's like surgeons and lawyers. They think that they own the world and that whatever they say is right. Anybody ever dealt with that before? They're never wrong. They're always right. Because if they're wrong, then they're not a man of God. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. Paul was constantly wrong. Struggling a long, a long time ago when I was reading the Bible, uh, me and my wife were praying, and God had the Holy Spirit had really showed me that when you're reading the Bible through carnal eyes, you can become a Pharisee. That's right, and uh, and that's you not when you're not and being humble with God, you can that's become right. a Pharisee. That is so good. That is oh, so that holier than thou syndrome. Yeah, it is. It's, it's good. Yeah, you're so right. Who also made us sufficient. So we know that God is our sufficiency. Someone say amen. Amen. And then uh, we find in Timothy, Paul writes to him and says this, a very familiar passage, verse four, chapter 4, verse 12. Let no man despise your youth. Now, that word youth is not just denoting of your age, but also your age in your spirit walk. So, you know, you, you are you are a, a, a babe in Christ, right? Um, you, you as you grow in Christ, you get off of milk and onto meat, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of quote-unquote preachers that are still drinking milk. And I, that's what I'm, I refuse to let you do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I want. That's why I'm demanding that you know your Bible. That's why I'm sitting here saying, show me in your Bible. Show me. Why? Because milk is easy. Meat is hard. Study to show thyself approved. So what being example in, in word, your calling will demand change in your life. If you're called, 
your words will change. Your conduct will change. Mm -hmm. How you love will change. How you walk in the spirit will change. How you walk in faith will change. Your purity will change. Hello. Mm -hmm. He says, give attention to reading. How you read will change. Exhortation, how you speak before others will change. And doctrine, what you believe will become foundational and truth and may take some change in order to fully reflect God's word. When you realize, you know what, I don't know that doctrine. I just simply am repeating what I was told by a, a relative or a friend or another pastoral uh, person in my life. Mm -hmm. Study to show yourself approved. Amen. Amen. So we have all these things that as we are called of God, Paul told Timothy, there's going to be some changes in your life. The evidence of a calling is change. Change comes before you exercise in full your calling. It doesn't work like I'm called, I start preaching in the pulpit, and then I start changing. That's not how it works. right? Your fruits have to be bore. People have to be, look, the, re the reason I am very careful about who I put in our pulpit is because I want this church to be healthy. Yeah. I'm responsible for the fields that they eat out of. They're sheep. So I have to, I have to make sure that there's not glass in the, in, the, in, the, in the field and that there's not plastic in the field and there's not poison in the field. Because I have to give an account before God in the final throne judgment to, to make sure this is going on, that I'm making a good accounting of what God has given me. So why am I so particular and so careful? Why do I want to measure what God has done in your life? See the fruits in your life? Because that's what the Bible commands me to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's not about, you know, people say, well, I'm not, I'm not being used in the pulpit. Yeah, because you, have, you haven't got a pulpit of one yet. You haven't, how do you expect to preach to hundreds when you can't, you can't even preach to one? Mm -hmm. It's not happening on my watch. It's not happening on my watch because God wants to grow you. Look, elevation from others is very different from elevation with God. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that get elevated by, by man's wisdom or man's systems and not by God's will or his calling. Mm -hmm. And in those elevations, they get, they get sick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They get altitude sickness. And they die. How many of you know, don't say their name, how many know people that once were on fire for God, thought they were going to tear the world up, and you don't even know where they're at today? You know, are, they, are they even in the church? Are they even serving God? Are they, why? Because they just disappear. Why? Because we take to the parable of Jesus and the seed, um, so, you know, some on the, the different kinds of ground. And we know that there's a ground that it, when it, it grows up fast, the Bible says. It's a shallow ground. It grows up fast, but then it withers fast. Mm -hmm. Jesus was warning us, mm -hmm. and that's why I pursue the long ball, the long game with disciple makers. Why? Because you've got to have roots. I said this to someone today, and I'm going to say it to you. You cannot have wings and roots at the same time. 
You cannot be a spiritual butterfly and go from church to church to church to church, this thing, the different places, different things, different messages, different gospel, prophecy one day and, and healing in the next and, and whatever. And I'm a part of, of, of the internet group here and now I'm a prophet. And all. That's butterfly stuff. Yeah, they're chasing the, chasing the, they're chasing the high. Spiritual things make you high. Mm -hmm. You know it. They make you feel like you can whip the world. Right, and they, the enemy of our souls uses that as a drug, mm -hmm. and tempting those that want to feel powerful, want to feel like that they are looked up to. Right, um, there's a lot of issues in humans that we do things for, and God's trying to get us back to the purity of our calling. Mm -hmm. And your evidence of that is what your focus is. Are you focused on I? I have a personal problem with ministries called by their own names, right? The Joel Olstein ministries or the T.D. Jake ministries, right? I love these guys. I think they do a great work for Christ. But it focuses on them and not Jesus when it comes to just the presentation of what their ministry is called. Now, individually, I'm not saying that they do that. I'm simply saying that I struggle with, it's not T.D. Jake ministries. It's Jesus ministries and T.D. Jakes is the vessel by which he uses to reach the world, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm being hypercritical here in a spiritual sense, right? So I'm not suggesting that they're bad people. I look, Jakes is, Bishop Jakes is one of my favorite humans on the planet. Um, I think his, he's the real deal. I just struggle personally with that, right? Because I want to be careful not to make it mine. It's about Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. So what does it say? Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Someone say amen. Amen. Which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the what? Eldership. This is where we talk about laying on of hands. This is about sending out to ministry. Right? It's not about the Holy Ghost. It's not about healing. It's not about salvation. This is about them sending people out. Lay, no, lay hands on no man suddenly is talking about ministry. Right? So... Um, uh, meditate on these things. Give yourself. Everybody say, give myself. Give myself. Entirely to them. The difference between calling casual and calling real is the entirety in which you give it. It really is. It really is. Uh, what does it say? That, you, that your progress may be evident to who? All. Your gifts make room for themselves. The reason it's so important to me when people walk to that podium, I want them to be able to know, I'm fixing to hear a word from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Not sit there and say, well, I don't know about this guy. You know, your gifts have to proceed, mm -hmm. come before you get all the other stuff. So anyway, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Verse 16, take heed. Everybody say take heed. Take heed, take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Everybody say doctrine is important. Doctrine is important. Now listen, doctrine is important to the foundation of everything we do and believe. Doctrine is not a weapon for you to use to kill people. What does he call the word of God? It's two-edged sword. Right? One heals and the other kills the edges. Right? So... You have to recognize, we're going to talk about that. So take heed to yourself. Make sure you're right and make sure your doctrine's right. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourselves 
and you, you notice save yourself <laughs> and those who hear you. Uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be what? Apostles. We're talking about callings now. Some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Right? I want you to notice what it doesn't say. Right? It doesn't say he's going to call you to be a bishop. It doesn't say he's going to call you to be a psalmist. What do you tell, What do you mean, Pastor? This is what I mean. You you need to be careful. It doesn't mean I don't believe there are bishops. That just simply means pastors over many churches, right? But understand what these things are. Don't strive to something that's not biblical. Is are are singers and psalmists biblical? Yes, they are. But understand them in their context. Understand what it means to be a teacher. Again. Some of us will never preach a word on a Sunday, but we're going to preach a lot of word on a Wednesday. Why? Because we're not called to a pulpit ministry as a pastor, but as a teacher. There's going to be some that are called to have prophetic. Now, one of the things I want to step back, and, and I was telling you a story about the young man who the, the pastor prayed over him, and I told him, I said, what do you think? And he said, well, I really, uh, you know, I really feel like God's called me to be a pastor. I have a caring heart. And I said, then walk in that, if that's your gift. Here's the, here's the, the importance in your calling. Is that every one of you are called to one of these? Every one of these. Paul will later say, seek ye after the best gift, right? He'll say, seek after. It doesn't mean it's your main gift, though. You ha you're going to have a gift that you're best in. I, I have prophesied, but it's not my gift. I have prayed for many, many people, and they've been healed, but I, I wouldn't say I have the gift of healing, Right? But it doesn't mean I don't operate in that gift. It just it, it doesn't mean it's my main gift, my main calling. I am a pastor teacher, right? That's my main gift and calling. Bishop Sue, prophet. He is the prophet of this house. Why? Because that's what God has called him and affirmed that in many, many ways, mm -hmm. right? We have uh, apostles among us. You know, uh, Henry Chokental is an apostle. He doesn't call himself an apostle, but that's the office that he fulfills. He goes throughout the world preaching the gospel, Amen. right? Um, there are so many things. I'm over many, many, many churches. I, I'm, I'm, some would call me, and I have license to say I'm a bishop. You never hear me say that, do you? Mm -hmm. Do you ever hear me say I'm a bishop? I'm a bishop. I've been a bishop for about seven years. Why? Because titles are not important to me, Right? What's important to me is that I fulfill my call. It doesn't matter what title I have if I'm not fulfilling my call. So we got to be careful with titles. Titles, if we're not careful, will be man-made and man-fulfilled. And they leave you empty. Titles are not what God's after. right? These are not titles. These are places of service. Someone say amen. Amen. So why? What is it all for? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Why does he give us these different ministries for the equipping of the saints not for edification of yourself but for edifying of the church mm -hmm. so if you are here and you think you fit one of these and you're not trying to edify the body of christ if you're not equipping people to be disciples so that they can disciple right we need to adjust that we need to work on that Someone say amen. amen. Verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the what knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should 
no longer, here it is, be children. God in this hour is demanding that we grow up. He really is. That we grow up. Quit being so petty. Quit being childish. Quit acting like a toddler in Jesus. Amen. Right? you got to act as adults. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men to the cunningness, craftiness, deceitful plotting. But speak, here it is, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ. Last passage. 2 Timothy 4, and I close. But what? Watch thou in all things. This is what he's telling Timothy. Paul is saying, as a minister, make sure you're watching everything. And then he says, endure affliction. My son's had a front row seat for his whole life for my ministry. And he will verify or tell you that there is going to, affliction will come. And I think that you know that. You sat in the front row for that. Um, You have to understand afflictions are not a curse. They're not because God doesn't want you in the ministry. They're evidence that you're ministering. They're the evidence by which you are fighting the world and the devil. Do the work of an evangelist. He didn't say just anybody. Everybody should be doing the work of an evangelist, witnessing, telling people about Jesus and the good news. And then he says this, make what? Full proof of thy ministry. What's the proof of your ministry? By the end of these eight weeks, nine weeks, I want to ask you the question, you be able to answer, can you show me the proof of your ministry? Can you show the world the proof of your ministry? Amen? Amen. All right, questions? Amen? When should we start taking new people from Christ and transition them to disciples? Immediately. Yeah. So fulfill that faith that now that they are saved, then you can do the same immediately. So discipleship is not something that happens like salvation. Salvation is something that can happen right now. And God can God can save them without maturing them. In fact, they're not mature. They're babes in Christ. Mm-hmm. So start building those stepping stones. There you go. That's mm-hmm. right. So you start small. You start observing where they're at. Some people get it really quick. Some people don't get it very quick. Yeah. Right. So discipling really is uh, shepherding. It is. That's how you create a disciple by shepherding. Uh, so I was talking to Nan uh, a long time ago. It was like four or five months ago now, but God was showing me that the next step uh, in, I guess, our ministry is going to be to shepherd people on a new level. That's right. To really be interactive inside of them and with them. And That's why you're sitting here. Yeah. Because I want to teach you how to do that properly, yeah. under authority, in obedience to God's word, yeah. right? Yeah. I, want to sh- I want to help you understand how to do it, how to handle it when it doesn't go like you think it should go, yeah. or they don't respond like you want them to respond, how to handle it, you know, and then how to teach them to do what you're doing. Re- repeat, repeat, mm-hmm. repeat. Go make a disciple. Mm-hmm. Nan will tell you, he drinks coffee with me about every morning of the week, and I'm always asking him, who are you going to disciple? Yeah. Where So... This week he said, I may have found somebody that God wants me to disciple, Amen. right? So I've been bugging him. I want to know who he's going to teach a Bible study to. Why? Because that's the proof of your ministry. That's right. I want to know who you've won to Christ. I want to know who you're, who are you winning to Christ? You call yourself a minister? Who are you winning to Christ?
right? So teaching. Right now I've got 12 Bible studies going, right? Wow. <laughs> I got 12, right? I added one today. I was Amen. at the restaurant at 7.30 this morning teaching a Bible study. Amen. Why? Because this is what God told me to do. And this is, this is what I'm going to ask you guys to do. I'm not asking you to do anything Jesus didn't ask you to do because this right. is what Jesus is asking me to do. Right? Let's go make disciples. Let's make change. Let's not make just converts because converts, they can grow up quick and die. Disciples, they bring other people to Jesus. They bring other people to Jesus. So discipleship, that's why Jesus didn't say go make converts. He didn't say that. never said it. He said go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Why? Because disciples don't leave. Disciples are long haulers. Disciples mm -hmm. aren't here for the fish and the loaves. Mm -hmm. They're not here just when Jesus shows up and gives them a little goosebump. Mm -hmm. Disciples aren't about prophetic yeah, words and yeah, no, no, that's right. So anyway, <laughs> anybody else? Any comments? Any questions? Amen. Elder, I am thankful that you're here. Okay, let's pray and close this session. Father, we thank you today for all that you're doing with us and for us. Lord, we believe that you are setting in place, Lord, the exact thing that you desire for Pineview, for the kingdom, and Lord, for what God you want to do in this house uh, as the, the time winds down and your coming is imminent, Lord. I pray today that you allow us to serve in our calling, not because it's a drudgery, but rather because it's the, the joy that is set before me. Lord, let me live and walk in your faith. Let me live and walk in your joy, that your glory might be revealed to every household and every nation and every city and every place. Help us to go make disciples. In Jesus' name, I pray that you bless each house that you protect their minds, that you protect their hearts. Lord, do not let discouragement come, but let them be bold as lions, Lord. In amen. Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say amen. 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 amen.